Now, what I want to teach today, listen, you need to open your heart to God. Because there's a difference between being a church attendee and a disciple. One time Jesus was teaching and he was speaking in parables. And the people were not understanding what he was saying. But he was teaching. Are we together? And when the teaching was over, the disciples came to see him. Let's look at it. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Matthew 13 from verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him. I, I can't get over that phrase. Who came to him? The disciples. In your work with God, you can decide to be among the, <laughs> will I say, the inconsequential multitude now. <laughs> or the people that just make up for the number. Or if you will be a disciple. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto him, unto them because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it is not given verse 12 it says for whosoever hath to him shall be given and he shall have more abundance but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath I can't repeat this again and again Seriousness that's required approach God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What did we say? There is a seriousness required in your approach. If this is what the word of God teaches, I'm down for it. I'm open for it. I must be serious with it. I'm saying this because the Lord Hallelujah. James chapter 4. From verse 7, it says, Draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to you. Now, we know that God was the one that took the first step to us. Are you with me? In salvation, God was the one that came to us. But now the context here is not salvation, it's speaking to believers. It says, After you've received the gospel and you've been saved, it says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. There is a place of, see, you can prove to God that you are serious. It's one thing to be serious and sometimes you fall short. And not to be serious at all. Are you with me? It's one thing to say, Lord, I want to, actually want to read the Bible. I want to pray. I want to grow spiritually. And when you tried, maybe you forgot to pray some days. Or you got distracted, you made some mistakes. God, listen. God understands. And you know what he will do? He will send ministry to pick you up. Are you with me? Remember the gospel in his ascension? Where he's the high priest over us. He will do everything to see you stand up. But when you are not interested at all, it's a different ballgame altogether. Hell neighbor gets serious. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and it's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, you as a human being, when you are trying to get somebody to do something, like, come now, let's go to this place. Come now, let's do this. And the person is always giving excuses. After a while, when you want to call the person again, you'll be thinking twice. 
Tell your neighbor, get serious. That's for somebody here. God has been calling your attention, telling you, take this thing seriously. But every now and then, you keep looking for one excuse not to take him seriously. He's telling you, get serious. The problem is, God will keep on coming after you, but you'll be losing time. With that said, let's go into the message for today. Glory to God. Glory. Have you been blessed by this April series? See, <laughs> I will beg you. Can I tell you what I did? In order for people to catch up, I told myself I will not teach any more extra, so any more extra thing that is too deep on the subject of grace. I'm serious. That's what I did. We'll just end. <laughs> How do you, do people exist without the revelation of God in their spirits? How? I will encourage you, go back to YouTube, listen, watch. We have YouTube. New Breed CC, Global. Subscribe and just watch, just listen. Praise the Lord. What's the theme of today's service? Somebody say celebrate grace. Somebody say celebrate grace. Praise the Lord. So what does it mean to celebrate grace? Number one, it means to rejoice about the grace of God. Number two, it means to live in the reality of the grace of God. So, on one angle, we are talking about to rejoice about what God has done in Christ. And number two, it means for your life to reflect the reality of God's grace. Are you with me? And I'll begin by saying this. Your response to God is a proof of your revelation of his grace. I'll go over it again. Your response to God is a proof of your revelation of his grace. In fact, we can measure your spiritual life, your spiritual depth, how much you value God by your revelation of his grace. So we can know how much revelation of God's grace you have in the way you respond to him. In the kind of value you place on him. Are you with me? In the way you worship him. In the way you celebrate him. In the way you live for him. Are you with me? Luke chapter 7 from verse 36. Luke chapter 7 from verse 36. It says, And one of the Pharisees, Desired him that he would eat with him. So the Pharisee wanted Jesus to come and eat with him. Are you with me? And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that tortured him, for she is a sinner. Now, don't forget, he's saying this within his himself, right? 
So the Pharisee is looking at Jesus and there is a sinner woman in need of redemption, in need of salvation, knowing that only Jesus can give it to her. Are you with me? She came and began to wash his feet and began to oil his feet and all that. And the Pharisee was like, if this man were a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is. Let me tell you something. You know, most people give, they have an idea of what a man of God is supposed to be. They have an idea of what a Christian is supposed to be. It is true that Christians, we are not supposed to be influenced by sinners. Are you with me? We're not supposed to work with the ungodly in such a way that they influence us. But if we're going to reach them, we have to be accessible to them. Are you with me? You cannot have a high pedestal where when somebody needs the gospel, he cannot come to you because of his own con- because of your own condemning attitude. Are you with me? You cannot put yourself on that pedestal. But can, because can I tell you something? Jesus is for everybody. He wants to save everybody. And when you understand how much God's grace has saved you, you will extend it to others. Because, yes, right now you have been saved, but at one point, you were a core sinner, even though outwardly they were calling you good guy or good girl. You were a sinner. Praise the Lord. Well, that's not the emphasis. Let's read on. So, the Pharisee was judging Jesus. <laughs> I said, look at him. He calls himself a man of God. He's eating my food. <laughs> eating my food in his house. And this sinner woman is here washing his feet and he did not say anything. He didn't say, get out of me, you foul devil of iniquity. <laughs> hey. Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. Oh God. You know, Jesus is, Jesus, Jesus is interesting. So the Pharisee is thinking within himself. The Pharisee did not say anything outwardly, but in himself, he's like, ah, this man. Then he now looks at one of the disciples. He says, Simon, I want to tell you something. He's talking to Simon, eh? but to him, he's addressing the questions in somebody else's heart. Jesus. This is an interesting man. He's our Lord, Savior, and God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have someone to say unto thee. And he said, Master, see on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50 pence. So let's use Naira. No, Naira will not communicate it well. Let's use pounds. What's the exchange rate of pounds now? Is it 650 or 700? So let's assume it's 700. So that means when somebody's owing 500 pounds, he's owing roughly 350,000. Okay. Okay. 350,000. So there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence. So let's assume that is 350,000. And the other 50. That's 35,000, right? And when they have nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, he said unto him, 
thou hast rightly judged. So what happened here? He says, among the two people, this one was owing me 350,000 naira. This one was owing me 35,000 naira. And I said, you know what? Both of you don't have anything to pay. I forgive both of you. So which one will eventually begin to love the master that forgave the most? He said, the one that was forgiving the most, that is the one that will love the most. He said, Jesus now told him, you have rightly commented or you have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, seest thou this woman I entered into thy house? Thou givest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou givest me no kiss, but this woman since I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil now is only Jesus you kiss his feet, oh please. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is God, amen. So, it says, since I came, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Hmm. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And, it, and they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Just a lighter note. Are you seeing that? Salvation actually is the forgiveness of sins. It begins with the forgiveness of sins. Remember Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 7. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So redemption in Christ Jesus is forgiveness of sins. And that thing is, see, it's not as easy as you think. Remember the teaching, grace is just. God had to do a lot to get your sins forgiven. And look at what he's saying here. He's saying, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. What is he trying to say? He's trying to say, if you cannot see how much has been forgiven you, you will not love much. According to Jesus, if you don't celebrate him much, the problem is that you don't see that he has done much for you. Are you listening? Pay attention. If Christ has not become the center of your heart or the joy in your spirit, the reason why you are living, the reason is because you have not seen. When we come for service and we are singing and we are shouting, glory, listen, see, let me tell you something that happened to me. In this course of the teachings, as I was teaching about grace, eh? me that was teaching about grace, one day I broke down in tears. I just, see, I just started worshiping. Look at what you've done for me. The problem, why you are not celebrating him is because you cannot see. Because listen, if you see what he has done, you will celebrate him. Glory! Glory. Many times we, we are trying to teach you. But people don't get. They are distracted about my money, my job, my husband, my this, my car, my... But what he has done already, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That you are struggling to show glory means you are still trying to get it. The problem is that your perspective is too small. 
And I've done a lot to explain about that. No, just imagine. You have the child. Right? And <laughs> you bought land for the child. Built a house. Right? Then you saved up one million dollars in his account. And you packaged it in a file. Arranged everything. And that child is five year old or ten year old. And you put the file in front of him. And you put a toy car in front of him. He may look at the file and what is this? Oh, daddy, thank you. We are telling him, look at this. And it's like, he cannot relate. You know why? He's a child. By the time he grows and he gets to 20, maybe he's done with school, gets married and you present it to him. Then his eyes began to open, begins to open. This guy has settled all the things I will struggle for in life. This guy has done it for me. His appreciation will increase because now he's beginning to see. The problem is people don't see. Let me show you something. Romans 8. Romans 8 from verse 28. He says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose, from for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, this, let me tell you something here. This verse 29 should make you start dancing. But I can tell you something, an average Christian today, you read this to him and he's like, what is that? He says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Who is he trying to say here? He's trying to say that, listen, that you are saved today is not by your power. There was some sort of foreknowledge to it. Now, let me tell you, there are some people, eh, they are not saved, not because God does not want them to be saved, but the foreknowledge that would have brought to the point where they would have been saved has not, has not played out. For, for instance, some of you are saved today because you were born into Christian homes. Are you following me? Many of you got to hear the gospel and the true gospel. Many other people, they were born into places where before they would get to hear the gospel, God will have to, by his foreknowledge, arrange, arrange, arrange till maybe somebody will go there and preach. So he's saying that, hmm, verse, let me read it again. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So, that foreknowledge led to predestination that eventually got you to be saved, to be conformed to the image of God's son. So that Jesus now is not just the only begotten son of God, but he's the first begotten son of God. So, because of Jesus Christ, you have become part of God's children. You have become part of God's family. It means you bear the image of God upon you. Ah. Mm. Sometimes I bear the image of God upon me. <laughs> then he, he goes to verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Sometimes I have been glorified. Verse 32. 
Okay, verse 31. He says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So he's saying, if God has justified me, he has glorified me, he has made me into his image, he has made me to be part of his family, who can be against me? Are you with me? The, the, the basis for our faith and dominion in Christ is in the redemptive work of Christ. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for me, who can be against us? Then verse 32, he begins to say to these things, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And like I've explained here before, when people read this verse of the Bible, what comes to their mind is, oh, if God gave me Jesus, there is nothing he cannot give me, right? Right? That's a great thought, but check very well. He says something else there. Verse 32, he says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, with him, with him, also freely give us all things with him, meaning according to God, the same time he gave you Jesus, he gave you all things. If you fail in life, it's your fault. No wonder First Peter says, according to his divine power, he has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. When did he give me? The same time he gave me Jesus Christ. So as a believer, you will learn to say things like this, I can never be stranded. Are you with me? You will learn to open your mouth and say, I bring forth prosperity. I bring forth direction. I bring forth light. Some of you are not talking. You, you think we are playing, don't worry. He that comes to God must believe that he is and say the water of them that are diligently seeking. I bring forth light. I started saying these things more than 10, 15 years ago. But not just this. There is more. The response to what God has done in Christ for you should be joy. When you see yourself, eh, every little thing, you are getting depressed. You are getting overwhelmed. You know, see, the problem is you, you, have not, you have not become grounded in the things that Christ has done for you. Can you be more depressed than Paul? You have done ministry for 25 years and after that you found yourself in a prison prison room. In that prison room, you are now writing epistles. You, you are there thinking, eh, eh, they didn't give me the job. They gave me... But see, if you are among the early saints, what will you say? But Paul from there says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. The reason is because you've not caught a revelation of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. So you say, pastor, are you, are you an advocate of us not believing God for other things. I, I didn't say that. <laughs> in fact, when you do what I'm talking about, eh, the grace of God will multiply in other areas of your life. Philippians 3 from verse 3. It says, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. We 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 rejoice in Christ Jesus. That's our response to his grace. All my sins have been paid for. I've been forgiven. I've been accepted in the beloved. 
en mettant à l'icide. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, it says, He being raised from the dead, not to die anymore. Therefore, death has no dominion over him. That means, death does not have dominion over me. Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14 from verse 31. So, how will I put it now for you to get it? I have some verses to read. The story here, the background of the story here, was when Israel was leaving the land of Egypt into their promised land or into the wilderness to go to the promised land. And every single time they wanted to go, Pharaoh would stop them halfway. Pharaoh would say, come back. And God was... <laughs> Let me say something on the lighter note. Do you realize that eh, the, there was Pharaoh in the days of Abraham. Abraham actually went down to Egypt and the Pharaoh in Abraham's time saw Abraham's wife and wanted Abraham's wife. And said, ah, she's fair to look upon and collected her. That time marriage. Just call up the woman like that. Collect her. And God came to him and said, you are a dead man. And plagues began to happen and Pharaoh said, okay, 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 okay. Take your wife. Take. And even gave him gold and gave him silver and gave him things and said, go. But the Pharaoh in the time of Moses, plague one, mm -mm. plague two, mm -mm. plague three. Ah! He kept on, what does that tell you? The kingdom of darkness, they improve. They do spiritual growth. <laughs> if you are not growing spiritually, the giant that you dealt with with one hour tongues last year, you may not deal with them again with one hour tongues. He does here. Let him hear. If you are not growing spiritually, the things you just do, oh, like this, like this, and it has gone. This time around, mm -mm. they improve. They go for retreats. That's why as a Christian, there are times God will just begin to give you some instructions. You won't even know why. Fast. Fast for this long. Pray. Because the Egyptians you are dealing with is not the Egyptians in the days of your fathers. Can I tell you the truth? The battles the church are facing now is not the battles in the days of our fathers. The battles are more complex now. In the days of our fathers, most of the issues they were fighting was poverty and sin. Now, it's not just poverty and sin. People are asking you, is there God? You have to, you have atheists. You are trying to prove. You see, you, you have to be more skilled. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, I speak in tongues, but I'm a, but I'm, I'm a lesbian, LGBTQ. Ah, you are wondering, ah, you cannot be a Christian gay. You cannot, ah. Somebody say, you can be gay, you can be Christian. But you cannot be a Christian gay. Or a Christian lesbian. Praise the Lord. So let me read from verse 24. Exodus 14 from verse 24. It says, and it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked through the host of the Egyptians, through the pillar of fire. When I'm reading the Bible and I see things like this, I'm like, ah, ah. God looked. See, one of the lessons you will learn early in your work with God, God is a person who learn it. Make, see, you will learn to talk to God. God, help me. Heavenly Father, what should I do? Show me what to do. And when he's beginning to talk, listen. Remember when Thomas when Jesus rose from the grave and they came and told Thomas that, ah, you missed. Jesus came. He showed us himself, all of that. He said, Thomas said, I don't believe until I see his hand and I put my hand in his hand and I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. 
Jesus was not there. But when Jesus came, the first thing he says, Thomas, put your hands in my, in my hands. Put your hands in my side. And when Thomas did that, he said, ah, my Lord and my God. He says, you believed because you have seen. Well, blessed are they that have not, that have not seen yet believed. What does that mean? It means Jesus heard him. Jesus heard him. He says, the Lord looked. And the Lord looked through the host of the Egyptians, through the pillar of fire and of cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians, and took off their wheels, and they drove them heavily. So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighted for them against the Egyptians. But they did not flee, they still went to Pharaoh. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thy hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots, and the horsemen and the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, they remained not so much as one of them. <laughs> that means nobody remained, not even one. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on the left. See, just imagine. They came out of Egypt. They had seen, can I tell you something? For an Israelite, what to be his greatest fascination was not even the plagues of Egypt. But that you saw the Red Sea stand. The world's first biggest aquarium ever. <laughs> you saw the Red Sea stand as, as a wall. And you are walking through it. And you are seeing the fishes. Hey God. They walked through and just when Pharaoh was coming and they were like, what's going to happen? And God allowed Israel to pass through. And after God divided the sea, he now closed it back. Hi. Hi. Now, verse 30. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. This was what happened. This is the last chapter in chapter 14. The last verse in chapter 14. Are you with me? Hey God. They saw this thing and they were like, God has saved us. Then chapter 15 verse 1. Everybody read verse, the first line. Oh my God. When they saw the work of the Lord, they had no response but to start singing. They just, hey! Then sang Moses and you know, Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, I will sing unto the Lord, for he had triumphed gloriously. The horses and the riders have been thrown into the sea. That's where that song came from. The whole Exodus chapter 15 is, is a song. In this same chapter, you will see where he got to the point they were singing, Who is like unto thee? Oh, that was Miriam's own song. They just burst forth and they're singing. Maybe the reason why you are not singing and celebrating is because you have not seen the great work of God he did in salvation. Because in salvation, listen, what did Israel say? They said, the Lord had saved us today. Hi. The Lord had saved us today. The Lord has saved us today. Have you seen that the Lord has saved you today? Have you seen the salvation of the Lord? Listen, do you know what it meant for Jesus Christ to die and go to hell for you? What if he did not come out? 
What if it did not come out? It was a gamble. But God knew that it would work. He had calculated that if this people must be saved, I must go. I must take their place in debt. And now, he took his place in debt and gave you his life. What will you do? Listen, these people, after they passed through the Red Sea, they came out and said, Ah! Have somebody scored the gold? Maybe you are believing God for that club. They were trying to score and they went, all of a sudden you just saw gold. You, you don't even know when you shouted, gold! Then you're like, you try to calm down, but you now heard everybody in other places, they were also shouting gold. Let me tell you something. If you are a Christian and you don't celebrate the grace of God, you don't know it. Don't say, no, I'm not, I'm not the celebrating type. I'm not the, no, you don't know it. What happened when the ark of God when the ark of God was coming back from the temple of, is it uh, Dagon? Yes. When the ark of God was coming back and David began to dance, David was celebrating. He was celebrating and Micah was somewhere. His wife, Saul's daughter, that was David's first wife, was looking at him and said, see this one? You are dancing like this and you are a king. The Lord struck her with barrenness. She was the only woman in the entire Bible who was barren and God never intervened. <laughs> this is why many, many, many people say, I'm saved, I'm saved. I'm like, are you sure? It's not by telling me you are saved. The way you respond to God, I will know. I will know if you really believed, if you really heard the gospel and surrendered and opened your heart to it and accepted it. Ah, there is a way you respond to God. Worship. Here is my worship. As if he's him that worshiping. Do you know who God is? Do you know what he has done? Have you seen what he has done? Do you know what he caused him to save you? Easter came and left. You know, at Easter, it seems like it's people who don't even know. see people who don't understand. Easter should break you. See, you should think about the sufferings of Christ. Read Isaiah 53. He said, yet it pleased God to bruise him. After, let me tell you something. It was not just men that killed Jesus Christ. Though. God killed him too. God had to completely put him. The, the rot of vengeance of sin upon Christ so that he can be just in setting you free. Hmm. You were despised. You were rejected. Lord, those who passed by even averted that gaze from the sight. Such was the suffering. Led like a lamb. A lamb to the slaughter. You spoke not a word. You chose to be silent. Lord, you did no wrong. Nor was the seedfulness found in you for god has highly exalted your name he has enthroned you on high jesus the name listen if you're a christian you start singing when you start thinking about what he has done for you you start singing what do you think made the old time sense start singing amazing grace how sweet that sound that saved a wretch like me no now people are singing to that revelation they will be singing nonsense Amazing grace, how sweet that sound. You don't know what you are singing. That's how we play with Christianity. They play with Christianity. Do you know what it cost him? Grace is free, but it cost him something. Mm. Actually, it cost him everything. It cost him everything. When you see what has been done for you, you will start rejoicing. Let's look at this Exodus 15 from verse 2. Exodus 15 from verse 2. After the, this is the part of the song. Moses was actually the one that wrote this song. Then sang Moses. Let's start from verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel 
this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he had triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider have been thrown into the sea. Glory! Glory. Can I tell you something? This was actually a demonstration of what he would do in redemption. The devil and all his accusing power has been thrown into the sea of darkness forever. He cannot hold me again forever. I am saved. Ah. Then in verse 2, he says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He is become my salvation. Ah. That means if he's your salvation, then he's your song. When last did you break out into singing? Just because of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. When last did the meditations of God's grace cause you to just start singing? The Lord is my light and the light of my life. I shall not be afraid. When last did you think about his death, his burial, and how he defeated the devil for you and rose again to give you justification to make you a brand new creature? Free from sin. Free from the devil's hold. You know the problem? There is a scarcity of revelation. That's it. People who are supposed to be rejoicing in Christ Jesus, they are saying, am I sure if I'm going to heaven? Am I, I'm not, how am I sure that is this lipstick I wore that will take me to hell? Eh? You, that's the problem. You are still at the baby phase of revelation. So when God wants you to respond as a man in Christ, you are still playing. Still fighting witches. Listen, there is, you know what? I, 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 I am so about spiritual growth. It's not like I don't believe in deliverance ministry. Those of you who are close to me, you know, every October, we bring out our armor to cut down demons, preaching deliverance. (laughs) But, can I tell you something? The real biblical way for deliverance is, you grow to the point where you are beyond the reach of the devil. He said, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Egyptians you see today, you shall see them no more. That is, see, it is true your, the devils in your family may be too strong, may be very strong, but there is a way, there is a level you will ascend to in God. There is a space you will grow to spiritually. They cannot reach you again. Are you with me? Okay, after Israel crossed the Red Sea, can Egypt, shall the Egyptians get to there? Those say the Egyptians that kept them for 430 years, by the time they have crossed the Red Sea, which actually is a picture of salvation, if you check the, old, the New Testament, after people got saved in the New Testament, most times there was no deliverance service for anybody. The deliverance was actually salvation. The problem is how many of our people are truly saved? Now, are you trying to tell me that anybody that's going through demonic challenge is not saved? Not that. Because the devil is an illegal spirit. That sometimes people are saved and the devil still tries to. And there's, there's a Bible way for it. There's so much, there's so much that needs to be taught. Somebody rejoice in Christ, Joe. It's not that the devil will not try. When he tries, he, his hand is too short. <laughs> he says, the Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare him an habitation. Oh God. Check the book of Psalms. You will see David say, and we shall rejoice in thy, in thy salvation. And we shall rejoice in thy salvation. Is it? How come it's your own salvation that you are not rejoicing about? Are you with me? Almost 50 times you see in the book of Psalms, David is saying, I will rejoice in that salvation. Let me tell you, the book of the Bible actually is a book of many songs of people rejoicing in what Christ has done and what he will do in Christ. 
of what God has done and what he will do in Christ. There are 185 songs in the Bible. He is my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Therefore, we shall rejoice in him. You just, he's just scattered everywhere. Let me tell you the truth. God wants your relationship with, with him to be the result of your revelation of, of what he has done. See, just the same way we read in that story of that woman who was forgiving much and began to love him much. God wants your love for him to be the response to, his, to your understanding of his forgiveness, of his grace. Are you with me? He wants you to celebrate his grace every day. He wants you to live in the joy of his grace. He said, what shall we say then if God be for us, who can be against us? People think that when we talk like this, we are proud. Mm-mm. God wants us to boast. He says, we are the circumcision that who rejoice in Christ Jesus. So God feels like, that's it, that's it. Make me proud right now. How do you make him proud when you say, I've been forgiven. I cannot be stopped. I've been blessed. The hand of the Lord is upon me. He has paid for my sins. He has defeated the devil for me. He died and rose again for me. Therefore, I am seated with him in heavenly places. Far above principalities and powers. See, it's supposed to be a myriad of emotions. You, you celebrate him, celebrate him to the point where you start crying. You now start singing worship songs. When you worship, worship, you start rejoicing again. You dance and dance and rejoice. Then you are broken down. You start singing again. That's how I was singing those songs. And it's so, because of you, Jesus is so. Because of you, Jesus is so. Because of your love, that's my soul. We sing. Hallelujah. Somebody say after me, I celebrate grace. I celebrate the grace of God. It will be my song all the days of my life. You know, I, can, I cannot forget. Ah, I cannot forget. One day in the university, I was ministering, I was teaching. And one young man, after the service, he came to meet me. He said, I just came for you for meeting. He said, I noticed something since I've been coming for this meeting. He said, tell me the truth. Are you faking it? I said, what do you mean? What do you mean, are you faking it? He said, tell me, are you really faking this thing? I said, what do you mean? He said, you look so happy. Did you hear what I said? He said, you guys look so happy. You look like, you will act as if this thing, you, I said, yes. I said, yes. We are so happy. No, you, you so, see, many, they come to church, I'm a cool boy, I'm a, I'm a nice guy. I, I, you are forming, you are forming, God, you are forming. Hey, 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 hey. You've not seen hell, that's why. That God opened the way of escape for you. And I'm standing here only because you made a way. When we stand before the gates of heaven and see people who will be condemned to hell, that song will make more sense. Then I'm standing here. But you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to rejoice about it now. And I'm standing here only because when you are in, when a person is condemned to hell, nobody that your hair, that your fine boy are doing, or your fine girl. Hey, hey. <laughs> when Satan finish you, <laughs> somebody told me you are so bold. You are so bold to talk to young people, whether old, young. As why well, are you so bold? I said the king sent me. I'm sent by the king, not a king. The king, <laughs> the king. See, let me tell you the truth. I have interacted with all manner, all levels of people. Today, somebody came to see me. At, we're outside. An officer. 
I will not say mother further details. Somebody referred him to me. He said, that pastor, that young pastor there, go and meet him. If he prays for you, something will happen to you. So he came and told me his whole ordeal and everything. I prayed for him. I told him, see, whatever they told you, I don't know, but we bless God. I'm not a magician. I'm a minister of God. My own is to pray. His own is to answer. So I was telling him that, ah, ah, after that day I prayed for you, I did not see you again. He came to meet me and said, sir, he said, as you prayed for me as I left, the next day, I was called to the government house. <laughs> but can I tell you, as great as that testimony is, it's not as powerful as the fact that Christ has paid for us forever. So can you rejoice right now? Celebrate Jesus. Jump on your feet right now and celebrate him. Celebrate him. Glory! Glory!